Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, pop culture, and stylish luggage startups. Because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I'm Rebecca Stewart, Ad Week Europe brand editor, and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Liz Corona. How are you today, Liz? Hello, friend. I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. I'm excited to um, dive into today's topic. This is a brand that I know we both admire from afar. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I know. We were we were trying to figure out, like, how can we highlight? And then we just kept talking about it, and now it's finally happening. So I'm, it's I'm happening. pumped. Yes. So today, listeners, we're going to be talking about the Bayes brand, which, if you haven't already seen in an airport near you, is a travel gear and accessories startup founded by actress Shay Mitchell. Um, and it's really been growing in popularity among millennial and Gen Z gen jet setters in particular. And it's been taking on more established rivals at a really quick pace. So to help us unpack the success of the brand and learn a few marketing tricks along the way, we're joined by Adila Hussein Johnson, who's president of Baze. And we have Deborah Chen, business consultant for Capital Markets and host of the Great Fail podcast, who is usually on the other side of the mic. How are you both today? Doing great. Thanks for asking. Doing wonderful. So happy to be here. We are absolutely delighted to have you both here. Um, so Adila, maybe we could start a little bit by um, talking about Bay's origin story and you know where she kind of spotted this gap in the market for luggage that was aesthetically pleasing but also affordable. Yeah, of course. I'm always happy to talk about a brand story. It's like one of the best things that I can talk about. But um, kind of rewind back six or so years ago, um, and Shay and I were in a room and we were having conversations around kind of areas of opportunity in the travel and accessory space. And she, prior to establishing Base, had, has, as many of you know, is an actress and an influencer, but had established herself um, quite notably in the travel category through her Shaycation platform on YouTube. And she would create this wonderful content throughout the globe. And people, you know, looked to her and admired her for her travel aesthetic, more like, you know, her fashion aesthetic. But so, so when we started to talk about 
areas that she that made sense for her to develop a business. This was a very natural and and very authentic um, expansion in her personal brand and in what she wanted to do. And then as we started to talk about kind of the white space, she always talks about, and if you ever hear her tell this story, and, and I think many of us can relate to this, that she would either buy the cheap stuff because she didn't want to have to spend a ton of money and it would fall apart, or she'd buy the super, super expensive stuff and then it got dinged and then she was super pissed off because it got dinged and it was super <laughs> expensive. And neither of those scenarios gave her the aesthetic look that she was looking for. So she always felt like she had to compromise. And I remember when we first had this conversation, we related on that a lot because I think we can all talk about how that is true, that there always felt like there was either you were going for a super utilitarian function or you were in the high, high fashion space and it wasn't super functional. And that was kind of the natural inclination of this very like real white space opportunity of bringing fashion, what we call fashion form and function. So the fashion of, you know, the runway and the trends that you love in areas of your life that are maybe outside of your on-the-go journey, um, the function that you need when you are traveling and when you are, to be honest, like we all travel several, maybe a few times a year, but we're on the go every day. And so we really consider ourselves an on-the-go brand more than a travel brand. And you're as you're on the go from point A to point B, wherever that may be, you need organization, you need function, you need that in your life every day. And sometimes the high fashion brands don't offer that. And then you need form, right? You need all different forms, whether it's a tote or a weekender or a roller. And so that was really how we established the brand to think about what does the consumer need like, what is the actual thing that they need in their lives? What do we need in our lives? Because we're all consumers first. Where is the gap, which is, you know, the fashion come form, come function. And then how do we develop a community to bring everybody kind of rallied around this, this white space that we see that we felt really strongly that we could deliver against? Yeah, Adila, thank you for saying that, because I think it's it's so fascinating. I think um, just the inspiration behind the product innovation. And I think what's so important, and tell me if you agree, I think this is part of the success of the brand, is that you guys are the consumers themselves. So like, it seems, you know, like, it seems like Shay is... It seems like the product innovation is inspired by her own needs as she goes through different life stages. So I got really excited when I saw it go from like, you know, luggage to baby stuff like diaper bags and now this really cool kids collection you know and it's just like so innovative and I feel like it's almost like matching different life stages and you're kind of bringing the consumer with you and almost extending the consumer journey apps I mean that is the goal yes it's it's somewhat coincidental that it is why actually that's not fair I was gonna say it's somewhat coincidental that it's Matt Shay's life but you're not wrong (laughs) (laughs) well I mean it's (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's like what you think of. Like, she probably was like, I need a bag that does this, you know, and we're all exactly. like, thank you. <laughs> exactly. And that, I mean, in the sense that it, it, it's inspired the innovation because it's a need in her life. But I, I think, you know, we really do look to our consumers first. And we have this amazing community that we have developed through all our social platforms, through our review platforms, through just seeing people in the airport, like Rebecca, your friend, and we walk up to them and we ask them for feedback, right? So we have this very, very real relationship with our consumer who tells us what they want. And we listen and we respond. It also happens to be when Shay does not have a solution, she's like, let's make it, right? So, mm-hmm. and and not just Shay, but I would say anybody on the team, um, we, we have a very small and mighty team. So anyone on the team will say like, 
hey, you know, I'm doing this in my life and I don't have a solution. Let's create something. And that that kind of is the spark that creates the innovation journey. And yes, I think what's very important to us is we create product and we launch innovation. We're thinking about obviously bringing in new customers. That's how D2C brands are successful. But what makes them more successful and what's much more cost effective as you're developing a brand is how do we keep our current consumer coming back over and over? And that is about following not just their purchasing behavior, but their life journey. So if they had a baby, we launched baby two years ago. Well, fast forward two years, they're going to need kid stuff, right? So yeah. then you launch a kid and now let's fast forward two years and they're probably going to have kids moving into that like high school age and then the teenage age. So how do we offer solutions to the consumers, they move through their life that constantly meet their on-the-go needs. So we almost provide solutions so they don't even have to think about it. Because our goal is to be their only brand that they need to go to and gets kind of everything they need from us. I love that idea, Zila, of, you know, like sometimes if something doesn't exist, you just have to make it for yourself. And I feel like she has just taken that and run with it. Yeah, Um, we actually say we look outside of our category almost as much, if not as much within our category for inspiration. Like we yeah. will look to, you know, the tech industry. We'll look to the motor industry. We'll look to the fashion industry. We look everywhere to say, what, what are people using every day in their lives? Every, cause you're on the go every day. So what are people using on the go every day that they need? And how do we bring that function to our pieces? Whatever that mm-hmm. might be. And Deborah, for you, you know, for Bayes, like functionality and product innovation is really at the heart of the brand. And you speak to brands all the time. Like, what are some of the factors that make for great product innovation? And how can you marry that with marketing and brand to make it successful? Yeah, sure. And, you know, I was while you guys were talking, I was just thinking about even just at the origin of the story. Um, Bayes has such a strong mission statement. I love that, you know, at the core, it says from the gym to Jaipur. It is such a visual and colorful, um, you know, depiction of what the brand brand means. And back to what Adela was saying before, I, I think that with luggage manufacturing, there's so many barriers to entry because historically, it's always been about durability and functionality. And So a lot of the style appeal and design has been compromised over the years. And it's just really refreshing to see how that's changed. And base is this example that kind of translates into not having to compromise the quality for aesthetics. Um, And it's not your parents' luggage brand, you know? Um, And then one other thing, you know, as we're talking about successful product innovation, I wanted to reference a video that I came across and it was on Shay Mitchell and her journey for creating base (laughs) and how it just chronicled from concept to creation. It followed her to China where she had to like through trial and error, go to figure out which showrooms to go to, what materials to use. And I really... I mean, it gave me anxiety looking at all the little pieces that came together, (laughs) but I found that so endearing and so authentic and real because unlike other founders or celebrity founders, you know, she, she really wanted to touch everything and make decisions with a purpose. And I think that successful product innovation really is about having that harmonious, you know, interplay of authenticity and really understanding your consumers and really making meaningful connections with them. And I feel like Bass is 
been doing that so well. Thank you. Yeah. No, I I second that. And, you know, I think... um, I think what's fascinating too that just reminded me, Deborah, what you said about the creative and just how they, <clears throat> how the brand explains how do you like the functions of the luggage and you yeah. see Shay herself and it's just like this really like nice clean aesthetic just a how-to tutorial you know even now for the kids luggage um you know you see like the parents hand showing like where how to open the you know what sleeve is for what um <clears throat> so I think it's really important when we see celebrities or you know like well-known figures start a brand that they have to kind of really put their face behind it too you know and just show like and it seems like you know by showing a video like that that's so raw and authentic that like no I really cared about this um and it's almost it almost like creates like a relatability component as well Yeah, we always say in our world, content is queen. Um, And, you know, we mean that intentionally because, yes, you can have the most amazing product in the world. But if you don't find a way to communicate the benefits of your product and the differentiation of your product, then it will fall flat. Right. Like there are millions of amazing products in the world that that people just don't understand or don't know about. And I think we've one thing that our creative and our marketing and our product team has done exceptionally well is figured out like, yes, how do we create product that people need, but then how do we get people to understand the benefit, the be- the greatest compliment we can ever receive from any consumer is, oh my God, that's function that I didn't even know I need and now I can't live without, right? And that is like the greatest compliment we can receive as a brand overall, because one, it tells us the content kind of fill the gap, right? Explain to the consumers why they need it. And then the function delivered something more than what they expected. And that, again, brings that kind of flywheel back for the consumer to continue to stay in our brand and and provide us that ongoing feedback. But, yeah, we use content as a way in many different ways. But one of the most effective ways is to highlight the functionality. And then, of course, from a lifestyle component, you know, Shay is so personable and she's so just easy. Like she's, you know, you kind of feel like you're her friend when you watch these videos. And I think that gives the personality that every brand kind of wants and needs. And when you have a celebrity and an influencer that helps establish our brand, you kind of get that, that stage that um, allows you the opportunity to create a life about around the brand, right? A personality around the brand and that, and she really, really helps kind of push that forward. And Adila, are there certain channels that work better for those different kinds of content? You know, does the more functional content work better on TikTok? Does the lifestyle content work better on Instagram? What does the media plan look like? Yeah, it's, um, if there is anything that's true, it's that it's forever changing. Um, But what we do know is every single channel requires something different. And that consumer is interacting with that channel for different reasons. You know, Instagram, I always say is kind of like the photo book. And you can have kind of those beautiful images and, and that helps tell your story. And it's kind of that like affordable luxury feel, but then you kind of couple that with the walkthroughs that Shay does. That's super relatable. TikTok is really about like short form, right? It's really about like quick kind of viral type content. A lot of the like how to packing videos do exceptionally well, um, which sometimes we do within our team, but often as UGC as well. And we don't pay to play. So all the content we get from a UGC standpoint is authentic that consumers or friends of the brand have kind of used and loved. Um, and then, you know, you have the website that needs more education around it. So every kind of forum and channel that we communicate with and podcast is another channel that's growing for us. Um, we have to think about 
what is the consumer need from that channel and how are they interacting with that channel? And then we create content that's specific for that channel. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it, we love a good process video. I, it's, they're just like so ca captivating. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and for UGC, I won't send you guys my video that I did on Christmas morning where I opened up my Weekender bag and did my own tutorial you inspired by Shay. <laughs> just very natural in my Christmas pajamas and stuff. Um, <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> well, this we have a ton more questions, um, but we're going to cut for break now, and we sure. will be right back after this messaging. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. And we're back on, yeah, that's probably an ad. And we are continuing our conversation here about base product innovation and just product innovation in general. So, you know, I want to I want to direct this next question to Deborah um, and then we'll we'll bring it back to Adela. But, <clears throat> you know, it's just Deborah would love to hear your take on how retail has been changing and what to look out with consumer behaviors to like stay ahead of the curve because it seems like base is really killing it like what what have you seen in retail and and what's next sure well you know it with successful retail um you know there was there's a point in time many many years ago where it was all about the superstores, right? Where you get to one spot that has everything. And that was with like the Walmart and Kmarts of the world. And then obviously e-commerce comes on and it becomes all about pricing. And over the past decade, we've seen this rise in direct-to-consumer brands and brands that have built a whole business entirely from social media. And I and I'm seeing obviously um, we've all been seeing purchases that are driven by social media and influencer recommendations and you know I think more and more it's going to be also about micro influencers as well that's going to be a big theme in the coming years so it be it would be you know friends of friends and those with tens of thousands of followers versus sometimes the millions and 
you know, what I think is so interesting about BASE is that they have the evangelists, like the micro-influencers also that are supporting the brands and creating the markets because those are just as powerful. So they have been touching on all the right channels and um, it's great to, to see what they continue innovating. Deborah, I feel like I need to hire you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she knows her stuff. She really does. <laughs> and I think you should hire Luz as your next micro-influencer. I mean, clearly, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put Luz's tutorial uh, link in the show notes for this week's episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things that fascinates me um, about the brand Adela is the fact that you survived a pandemic when the whole travel industry shut down, and you were a very young brand um, when lockdown started. Yeah. So I'm keen to hear, you know, what that was like and how you came out the other side so strong. Yeah, um, you know, it's it was nerve wracking for everybody, and yeah, as a business that focused on on the go and the entire world is grounded, it's kind of scary. Um, you know, aside from, of course, the first and foremost and most critical piece, worried about our team, both abroad and, and local and kind of working through those like every brand did on how to kind of mitigate and manage keeping our team so we didn't have to lose people or let people go. And I think that was kind of the primary primary goal. And we were very, very small and nimble at the time. So luckily we were not very impacted on that side. And then second to that, you know, there was, I would hate to say that we had any foresight because we didn't have any foresight to this happening, but there was always foresight on the side of diversifying risk. And as we launched this brand and when Shay and I talked about this brand, we were very, very intentional in not being a roller brand, right? Because we didn't, or any one trick pony brand for that for that matter. So as we considered the launch and the establishing our product portfolio and our innovation portfolio, it was always about offering consumers multiple options within multiple needs. And fast forward then to early 2020, we had we actually even didn't launch with rollers. Our, our first launch product portfolio didn't include rollers and it was all shoulder bag, bags and accessories. Again, very intentionally to establish ourselves kind of as that antithesis of just being a roller brand. So then fast forward to 2020 and the world's grounded. They're not moving. People are certainly not getting on planes, but people are still on the go. Just mm-hmm. it looked really different, right? Whether you were walking to the in the grocery store and you didn't want to touch everything we saw a huge growth in our hands-free portfolio whether our work totes took off and I was one of the reasons for this I think but you know my living room I would move from my living room to my bedroom from my bedroom to the office because I had to like battle with kids and where they were and so I would literally stick stuff in the work tote and move and lo and behold lots of other people were doing that as well and so again it's about that relationship with the consumer to find out what they're using, what they're needing in their lives at that time. And because we already had the diverse portfolio, we could pivot. So we Mm -hmm. essentially moved our messaging at the time, ad spend, we kind of reduced, we didn't stop ad spend, which I think was another saving grace. A lot of brands pulled back entirely. We were like, nope, we're gonna continue because there's still a need. We just have to pivot our messaging. And we have to pivot the way we're positioning our product based on how we know consumers are using them based on what they're telling us. And the benefit of having that diverse portfolio is we had product already that we could do that with. 
But then the benefit of being a nimble organization that owns all of our creative and development in-house, we could very quickly produce, design and produce product that answered the needs of consumers. So that kind of integration, I don't want to see we're fully vertically integrated because we don't own every piece of that um, from, a, from a production side, but all of our creative and product development and design happens in-house. And that mm-hmm. allows us to be very, very nimble. And so... I'd say you couple those two things with the strength of our community. And that's really what kind of got us through that time. And I think the other piece, which probably is less sexy, but that element of like, we still had to recognize that you have to take calculated risks. And at a time when things are very scary, it's very, very nerve wracking to do that as a brand, but we had to test new channels. Those were always part of our pipeline and we couldn't stop despite what was happening in the world. Let's continue to test new channels. Let's continue to open up our network of marketing mix. Let's continue to product develop and innovate in areas that maybe seem unnecessary at the time, but people will use them in time, right? So you don't stop what you need in the future. Otherwise you fast forward a year and now you're stuck. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that was really what kind of got us through the pandemic and then allowed us to really, really like rocket ship up once the pandemic kind of was not as much of the primary concern for consumers. Yeah, I think there's probably some good nuggets of advice in there for brands just now. You know, we're in an economic downturn. And yeah, I think that focus on innovation and community is so important. Yeah. And I I think the biggest, the biggest fear, and you know, I don't, I don't fault anybody for thinking this is it's very scary to invest in your future when you're so uncertain of what's happening now, but it is probably the most critical thing to do so that again, you have options and you have ways to be able to pivot and everything should be with the kind of mindset and intention of not having all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with Rebecca. I feel like there were definitely like lessons that I was trying to take. Like you, you mentioned diversifying risk. And honestly, I really think like your strong understanding of the consumer needs really played a strong role there. Um, Deborah, I would love to hear from you, um, you know, like just from your expertise and your knowledge of brands, like how can... How like what are some lessons here for startups operating in a current you know because there's a current economic downturn now so how can they come out stronger um, and what have you seen work in the past as well in addition to what Base was doing Sure yeah and and you know what Adela was saying about the pandemic I think that really did accelerate the weaknesses of companies it really escalated their fate and those that were lean and mean were nimble to adapt and and so. You know, in this economic downturn, I mean, we're still in the aftermath of what happened with the pandemic. And I think it goes without saying, you know, also to piggyback off of the stuff that's not so sexy is is the capital, right, of a company. So all startups, I think, always need to be fiscally prudent. And that means monitoring your cash flow, controlling your cost, and again, not putting all your eggs in one basket, but also be able to explore opportunities to be operationally efficient, right? I think another kind of good discipline in in mind is to, when you're building your startup and your brands, you need to do it with speed, but also patience. And what I mean by that is there's so much pressure to grow too fast, too soon. And we're seeing that happen right now. I mean, there's so many layoffs in the VC world 
because the way the product cycle works, and I study this day in and day out, especially for the podcast, is that you know consumer brands, what they do is they try to spend as much money as possible so that you can develop the products as fast as you can, steal talent, hire people, and then kill off the competition. And that's unfortunately where a lot of people crash and burn. And if you think about it, you know, I, I read somewhere, and I think this is really powerful, um, since we're on the topic of luggage, Toomey spent 40 years to get to $100 million in sales. And they have a legacy brand. But a lot of the VCs now, they want to reach that $100 million in, say, two years. And it's great for pockets, but not great for brands. And I think that's something that a lot of startups and founders should keep in mind, that speed doesn't necessarily equate to longevity. So that would be kind of my biggest takeaway from just understanding, you know, the startup mentality. So interesting. And I think there's so much to unpack there, Deborah. We could probably do a whole episode <laughs> with like a guide for, for startups based on your kind of advice. But I think like Bees is such an interesting brand, Adila, and I'm interested to see if you could give us a little sneak peek of what's next in terms of innovation and, and yeah, where are you going to go next? Yeah, I mean, Deborah, I appreciate a lot of what you said too. And I think um, just to piggyback on what Rebecca said, there's a lot of great advice there. And I think um, running a profitable business should always be the prime goal, right? You can grow very fast if you're doing it unprofitably, but to grow profitably is truly the challenge. And I think um, is incredibly prudent. So I appreciate that perspective. Um, as far as looking forward, so it's interesting because we have, our consumer has told us many, many times in many different ways that they love pink and they love color. Um, so you may or may not see things like that in our future um, <laughs> in terms of bringing more color to the portfolio um, and bringing colors that they love in very fun ways. So I can't tell you more than that because um, my creative and design team will kill me. Um, <laughs> and then I can kind of say in terms of innovation as we think about, because, you know, I think you can approach innovation in, a, in several different ways in terms of like consumer functional needs, in terms of like what demo or a psychographic are you trying to achieve that maybe you're not achieving or you're not reaching as much right now. We kind of do it in all of these ways in one. So we are launching a collection that kind of allows um, that same function and that same amazing thing that base is known for in a more, um, I'd say a less complicated type piece um, to allow for consumers to enter our brand if they haven't already. So there is, they're a little bit more affordable, but they still have all the same um, kind of function packed into it that you would expect from any base piece. So that's kind of expanding our reach in terms of our demo. Um, and then to, on the flip side of it, in fall, you'll see um, some more like premiumized pieces um, that kind of answer some more dynamic function needs that our consumers told us that they're looking for. Um, again, I can't tell you too much more than that, um, but <laughs> I think what I can say and what you can always expect from base is that we're listening, we're listening to the market, we're listening to other categories, we're listening to our consumer, and we're innovating based on the needs that they tell us um, they, they want and they are looking for either other brands or they just can't even find. Um, and that's kind of how we're approaching our innovation cycle. 
Well, definitely one to watch. I'm hoping for a Bees Barbie tie-up based on what you said about colour there. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I cannot comment on such things. <laughs> no what a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Adila, for your time. And thank you, Deborah. And Deborah, it would be remiss of me not to mention that season three of the Great Fail podcast is coming out soon. That's right? That's right. Yeah, check it out. We just covered um, the fall of Silicon Valley Bank and FTX is coming out this week. So, yeah. Got to check that out. Got to check it out. Well, thank you both so much for your time. And thank you, Liz. And thank you, listeners. We'll see you next week. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.